0: On behalf of myself and B, we acknowledge that we are not indigenous. Rather, we are of settler colonial ancestry. Like many other settler people, we have benefited greatly from living on Turtle Island. As a visitor on this land, we have an important responsibility to acknowledge the grounds on which we are privileged to gather in the pursuit of building community. We are recording today in the traditional territory of the Three Fires Confederacy of First Nations, comprised of the Ojibwe, the Odawa, and the Potawatomi peoples. We are grateful to work, learn, and live in this area. We're making small talk with cool people. Welcome to our show, it's small talk. So uh listeners, you are hearing my voice. My name is Bronwyn, pronouns she they, and I want to do a little interactive uh, game with you right now. So Um, just bear with me. If please, actually, here we go. I'm going to do it this way. Raise your hand at home. I can't tell if you're doing it or not on the honor system. Raise your hand if you've been affected by loss, death, grief, bereavement. Hands up. Do you, um, do
1: you use TikTok at all,
0: Bronwyn? No.
1: Okay. So if we have any younger listeners, we're just going to rephrase that for, uh, It was like one of those trends from last year, but it was literally like, okay, raise a finger, put a finger up if you've uh, experienced, and then what were some of your examples? Loss. Loss. Uh, Put up another finger if you've experienced death of a loved one. Put up another finger if you've experienced, was there not more?
0: Yeah, bereavement. There we go.
1: And then now we say, well, folks, if you have put up at least one finger, then this episode is absolutely for you.
0: This is why you have a young person be involved in your podcast. (laughs) Because I don't know these things. But anyways, welcome to another episode of Small Talk. I'm Bronwyn, like I said, and... As always, my lovely co-host is.
1: Oh, my name is B. My pronouns are they them, and I'm sorry, Bronwyn, What are your pronouns? I said it earlier. You Did you? I listening. was not listening. Yeah, I was not like, at all. Because yeah. I wasn't making eye contact with you.
0: Oh, boo. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I like that we've started this off a little bit happy because this conversation is going to get a little um, deep and difficult, maybe, but for necessary reasons. Um, do we do we have any content
0: warnings? Well, if you have a recent loss and you are having issues grieving, then maybe you might want to take a breath before you listen. Mm -hmm.
1: I think that's fair. And that leads us into our wonderful, uh, I was going to say ghost. There's something to that. I'm predicting. I mean, yeah, this is the thread. Right. (laughs) Well, we don't have a ghost, but we do have a fantastic guest, uh, Courtney Stearns. How are you?
2: I'm good. Thanks so much for having me.
1: Yes. Um, Do you want to go ahead and introduce yourself?
2: Sure. So as you mentioned, my name is Courtney Stearns. My pronouns are she, her, and I am the bereavement program manager with Julian's House.
0: Awesome. And so that's why, um, you know, we brought up loss, grief, bereavement at the beginning of the episode, because that's your line of work. That's right. So you said you worked for Julian's house. Now I've been a resident of Windsor for, uh, you know, like almost 20 years now. And I have never heard of any sort of bereavement services specifically like for grief, loss, death, all those things. So Julian's House, when I heard about it, I was kind of surprised that there was this service that I'd never heard of uh, that has popped up in the community. Uh, And maybe you've been around for a long time. Maybe you're brand new. So why don't you tell us a little bit more about julian's house
2: well fear not that you haven't heard of us we are pretty new um we really got things going and running about a year ago when um the board at julian's house hired myself and our executive director laura kay and we got things going so initially how this started was that the gaudette family lost their son julian That was about 12 years ago. And through their own grief process, they went to the support groups. There's a couple of bereavement professionals here in Windsor that recommended they go check out a space in Cambridge called the Coping Centre, which is a beautiful property dedicated to grief. And when the Gaudettes got back to Windsor, they said to the two bereavement specialists, Christine McMillan and Colleen Campo, you know how do we do something like this in Windsor this is such an asset to any community because we know that grief is universal of course and they said yeah we've been looking for the right place to do this it's just a matter of where right and when because we want to we want to implement this in our community and the Godets went home, did some thinking on it, and they decided that their home that they were initially saving for their retirement plan. Um, you know, it was a rental property at the time, but it's the house that Julian grew up in. Aww. And so they decided they wanted to donate that home. That's and beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Oh my goodness. It makes me emotional every time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so thus we have Julian's house and um, so it, the house itself is going to be renovated and restored so that it can be a beautiful functioning space for all of our guests. And um, right now it's it's sort of under that process. So we don't have a location itself. We are running our groups out of a church basement. We're running different programming in and around the community a sort of beautiful piece of starting without a building is that we are relying on our community and we're finding out just how awesome it is and how supportive it can be, which is so cool. And just so moving.
0: Actually, Courtney, I wanted mm. to talk to you a little bit about how did you get into this field of work? Cause Julian's house looks, uh, it looks like it's going to be such a wonderful thing and, and it already is, but it's going to shape up to be this beautiful center and this wonderful place for people to come have some of the toughest times in their life. Right. Absolutely. So how, yeah. how did you kind of stumble into this work? How did you know you wanted to help people through sort of the toughest times in their life?
2: Great question. Um, for me, my background is in helping people. So I worked for a really long time at a daycare, shout out to the toy box. I was at Children's Aid for a number of years um, in a few positions that I really loved and those positions specifically were about helping people. So going in where I could be that cheerleader for the family. From there, I was at Muscular Dystrophy Canada working with families in different dynamics that are affected by neuromuscular diseases. And while that was really moving to me, it's not something that touches me on the day to day. And honestly, I was happy where I was at, but somebody showed me this job posting and they said, Courtney, I think you should probably apply for this. And I read it and I was like, Oh, this is my job. This is where I'm supposed to be. And so I Dang. applied. I, you know, I, I I, studied. I hit the books. I made sure I knew what I was talking about and you know, we live in a society that doesn't talk about grief. So re- there really was a lot to learn.
1: Wow, yeah. Um,
2: and I went in there and, and yeah, I, now it's a, you know, a little bit over a year later and I feel like I'm exactly
0: where I'm supposed to be. That's amazing. Congratulations. Yeah. That's Thank like, you so much. that's yeah. like something, that's like a life goal that yeah. everybody wants to hit and not everybody gets to. And so right. that's really cool. Yeah. That's yeah. Really cool.
2: It's, it's such a, you know it feels like being part of a family not just part of a job it's such a wonderful place to work and and you know build you want
1: that in a in a place like that too absolutely humanity becomes really really important when you're grieving
2: absolutely yeah 100%
1: um, among some of the things that you might have learned along the way, uh, like so, are there really only seven stages of grieving? Or is no? Like, okay, I feel <laughs> no. like it's such a minimized. Listeners,
2: there yeah. are no. It's not like that. So, great question. I'm so glad you asked it because so Elizabeth. Kubler Ross initially came in with those stages of grief, and you know, it's been tossed up. Is it five? Is it seven? It's a million yeah. all at once sometimes. And you know, she never designed it in a sense to be like, okay, now we're at the first stage and we work through that. Now we're at the second. Now we're moving on to the third, yeah, humans, right? It's I
1: not. We like don't often work like that. We're not as uh, linear, linear. That's you know. right.
2: Yeah. We're going back and forth between all of it. Some, day, some days we're. Going back and forth and, you know, it could be within the same hour, the same few minutes that you're going through all of those emotions. And so that is like one of the big myths that we try to help bust in in our support groups is that, (laughs) you know, don't hang on to that that idea that there are these stages of grief that you're going to work your way through you are going to work your way through your grief but it's going to look different than what you may have expected if you were going to try to go along
1: the stages yeah. okay no that's that's really important so thank you for sharing that yeah I've no I'm glad you wondered. asked
0: very very
1: important <laughs> question well yeah. it's, a,
0: it's also a, it's a myth that's propped up by the media right you see it in Absolutely. television shows and movies about like yeah. oh we got all seven now we're done yeah right and then the, the movie end. ends and, uh, and you yeah. don't really see how that person has to then cope for the rest of their life with that loss like That's you don't right. really like the show ends the mo- the movie ends and we don't get to see what happens so we we can't neglect that there is a whole life that that person has to live after after All that those, loss. Yeah. You know, yeah. quote unquote stages, right? It's and, not real. And
2: even giving the impression that, okay, now we're we're done grieving. Like yeah. you're never really done grieving. Yeah. Because grief exists from a place of love, that would be like asking somebody, Are you done loving this person? No, of course not. Yeah, so they're that's never gonna be done grieving. They're just gonna figure out how to incorporate that grief into their life and move forward with it. Right. I
1: really like that yeah. how that's worded too.
0: Yeah. I I I forget where I heard this, but I I heard de- grief described in a way that I actually really appreciated because it made a lot of sense to me is that the grief doesn't get smaller, your heart just gets bigger mm, and your yeah. heart just and as your heart grows, there's just more room for it, so it's it gets less and less present because it's not, you know, it's a small thing in a bigger Vessel rather than right. being like taking up most of your heart it yeah so that I heard that and like it made that. me feel good about that because it it kind of describes well oh, it's not going to go away but the rest of your life is going to get bigger and you're going to have more room for more love and different love and yeah. so that it just seems less Painful. Yeah. As you
2: go on living your life, you're naturally building more experiences yeah. around that grief, still holding that grief that you're right. It doesn't change size. So many people can go back to that day that they lost their loved one and it still is just as painful. Recognizing, though, that they've also come a long ways from there and they've mm-hmm. been able to experience joy since losing that person, mm-hmm. whereas they thought they you know, might not find that again.
0: Yeah, that's awesome mm-hmm. so what sort of things then can if you get connected with julian's house mm-hmm. because unfortunately you have experienced loss what can you expect to um what kind of services can you expect to get or what kind of support are you going to get at julian's house
2: yeah so we are different in the sense that we're not a clinical support so we're not that Counselor or therapist rather we are working with volunteers and we're doing peer-to-peer support. So we hold our grief groups and those look like um, we started off with our child loss because of course that's we're, what we're rooted in mm-hmm. um, We've got spousal loss, sibling loss, parent loss, and then for anybody who feels that maybe one of those titles doesn't necessarily fit what they're experiencing, we also have a mixed loss group as well, because we do want anybody who has experienced loss to feel that they can come somewhere for support.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. still important to be seen, regardless of who you've lost. But I, you got it. I really respect that it's kind of categorized. I remember I was talking with Bronwyn at the beginning, and I was wondering, like, should I ask if if you can handle, if you can talk about grief by who you have lost, and kind of, I hate using the word category, but in a yeah, sense for a lack little of bit a, sure
2: yeah that, yeah. that no that's I think that's a great question and actually when we started so before I came on to the staff at Julian's house they were running with volunteers and they had a couple of staff working part-time from the children's safety village doing what they could at the time oh good um that's sort of been our motto is doing what we can with what we've got. Yeah. And so what they had at the time was not a lot of manpower, but the passion, right? The passion has been there since day one. There's no question about that. We also had a Zoom meeting. So, you know, we started during the pandemic. And mm-hmm. so we couldn't do those in-person support groups. What we could do was a Zoom meeting. So every other Wednesday there was a zoom meeting and that was a collective loss it could have been anybody so when i came okay. on one of the messages that i heard loud and clear from the guests of julian's house where we want that in person so covid restrictions were starting to wow. lift i searched you know high and low in windsor there was so many spaces that were still you know having precautionary measures understandably yep um The space that we have right now has been working wonderfully. They have been so gracious to, you know, provide that space for us. And it's been working out really well in the interim until we can get into our space. Of course. We're really thankful for that. Um,
1: Do you still offer Zoom? Uh, yeah we did option, keep
2: I, one per month good, on okay. the schedule because you know we like I said we want it to be accessible to everybody mm-hmm. we want everyone to feel that they do have a resource out there and so you know if you're out in the county or maybe yeah. you don't have childcare, or maybe it's just, it's just an accessibility so many issue there's exactly so many reasons sometimes grief won't let us leave the house oh mm-hmm. yes right won't leave let us leave our bed that's mm-hmm. okay right get out your laptop Your you know smartphone phone, yeah <laughs> whatever it is pop on talk to
0: us about the grief that's what that. we're trying to
2: do is normalize that conversation around grief exactly so, that's
0: i think that's really important too because not everybody has a built-in support system not mm-hmm. everybody has supportive family not everyone has supportive friends so just right. having that person that's especially an objective person that doesn't know you, doesn't know your relationship to the person who who passed, or so it's it's kind of nice to have just that supportive, objective human being that's willing to be an empathetic, compassionate ear. Like that's, that's really right. important. Yeah, isolation can be very, very um, damaging. Yes, in a yeah, and we like know that. that
2: grief certainly adds to that isolation piece, and so that's why our group. Um, meetings are they're so beneficial because you're able to come out to a space and so because also we've broken it down into those different relationship loss Mm -hmm. um, you know subtypes is that you're you know we have today we had our widow loss group and so folks coming out that lost their spouse specifically that's their day in day out routine person right that loss looks different then losing a child then losing a sibling then losing huh. a parent and Absolutely, so though. yeah 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 and so to consider that right and knowing that yeah in those mixed groups we do have some great conversation and you can learn about those different dynamics but sometimes you just want to speak right to somebody who is speaking that language yeah. mm-hmm. i had somebody explain once that grief is like this foreign language that they didn't really know how to speak until they experienced grief themselves. And they were instantly fluent in this language. Right. So I, I love and hate that. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like I think it's something that we should all be more fluent in, but here we are in this culture that doesn't support talking about it. And so it, when it happens, it's sort of this, you know, takes you out by your knees type thing. Yeah. Right? And, so. and
0: categorizing grief too is also really important because, for me and I as as queer people the you know you have to the visibility having people who are going through that very specific lived experience Mm -hmm. is so valuable and also too like I'm trying to think of like there's also like grief doesn't always necessarily come with a death like Mm -hmm, a person doesn't have to stop living for you to grieve them being gone Mm -hmm. and I think too like if 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 you're in a mixed group like like you said you have at Julian's house, you could encounter um if you're feeling a loss of, you know, a uh, a loved one because you've been excommunicated from a family, like you're, mm. there's different like without death of having happened, there could be yeah. there could be grief in your life without even a death and and these mixed groups could probably be really beneficial cuz Someone might not be going through exactly what you're going through, but their grief language could be really helpful to you and their and their experience. That's true. I
2: will say, we we only deal with grief due to loss of fair enough person. Yeah, you know we know that there's not enough supports out there for <laughs> grief from death, grief from. I mean, grief essentially is that your plans have not gone according yeah. to your plans, right? Yeah. It's, you know, maybe it's a job loss. Maybe it's a uh, relationship ends. Maybe it's, you know, whatever you thought was happening has been taken away. And now you're left with this grief. Yeah. Right. And so Julian's has this specifically around death.
0: Noted. Yeah. yeah. Well, now maybe we've inspired somebody else in the community to start their own support group yes. for something else like that. Maybe That would we, be great. Maybe a seed has been planted.
1: a support group for like when pets pass yeah i just get really sad and i don't know what to do
2: same like and
1: like we anticipate it you know we understand as the longer lived species how to navigate that but you still don't navigate it until it happens
2: right yeah it's so true and that's maybe the only death that we anticipate right even though we are humans and we recognize that we are all going to die eventually at some point Mm -hmm. right there's so many conversations where you know, you might be sitting in a room full of people and you take that initiative to start talking about your plans for your funeral and the person next to you might go, Oh shh, don't talk like that. And it's like, what? Like realistically, I wanted to ask or- why
1: what is it about our culture do you think that we don't talk about grief, planning for our, our, our death, uh just all of that. Like what do you think that is?
2: That's a great question. I wish that I knew the answer, but speculatively speaking, I think that death can be a scary thing Mm -hmm. and we avoid scary things, right? Rather than getting into them, exploring them. Um, And I think it's so important that we talk about death. It is everybody's inevitable future. And if this was a common theme in our day-to-day conversation, we might help each other be a little bit more prepared for when it happens right and and recognizing that even a little bit could go a long way because this is heavy stuff in terms of any kind
0: of support yeah 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 and i I think too like also um removing some of the shame around the grief feelings mm -hmm. and what you actually experience while you're grieving yeah i think there's a lot of shame that people especially if maybe you are the person that takes over the top spot in a family or you're the person.
1: What's the name of that one who has to do all, like all the family stuff? Uh, Like oh,
0: the executor.
1: The executor. Yeah. yeah.
0: That's a lot yeah. of pressure to bear. Yeah. And so there's some shame surrounding like feeling weak and feeling sad and and, and needing time. And, mm-hmm. and, and I think we need to really uh, just remove some of that shame and allow people to, you know, feel like they have the space to really go through what they're going through.
2: Definitely, definitely. Something that I like to talk to my guests about during our support groups is... Why is it that we can sit here listening to somebody else's story and, you know, maybe they're crying or they're, they're, they're being vulnerable, right? They're exposing that raw emotion and we sit here and we go, oh my gosh, they are so strong for just, you know, sharing that with us. <laughs> then it's our turn. We start crying because we're being vulnerable, but we judge ourselves as mm-hmm. being weak.
0: Right. And yeah. we
2: are our own worst critics and we ought to be giving ourselves the kudos that we give to perfect strangers sometimes. Seriously. Yeah.
1: And like to kind of a combination of the two is the culture, the mm-hmm. culture of how we talk about these things, mm-hmm. the shame, the, the avoidance. Yeah. Um, and even when you're with somebody who's almost willing to talk about it, there's almost like a point at which you stop because like, oh, no, it's too morbid. Yeah, but it's reality.
2: It is right. It's not morbid. We just have been sort of trained to think that,
1: Mm
0: -hmm.
2: and it's. I mean, we couldn't be further from the truth. We should talk about this stuff. Yeah, right. Can I ask you both?
1: What are your plans? Are you going to be cremated? Are you going to be buried? Does your
2: family know this (laughs) stuff? Right.
1: (laughs) I love that though. When Bronwyn and I were still dating, we talked about um, cremation. I either want to be uh, turned into compost and Mm -hmm. turned into a pile of dirt, which can be used to grow something cool or just, you know, cremation, sprinkle that wherever you feel like, I don't care. I'm going to be dead. Yeah. And like Bronwyn, what are your feelings on
0: that? I would like to be donated to science, to be honest. I I want a bunch of students poking around and (laughs) figuring out what was going on and You know, I just I if I can be useful, I want to be useful. And then it's not so much about being memorialized or anything like that. But I just want to be useful because I am I studied science. I'm a biology teacher. Um, So I've always the principle of energy cannot neither be created nor destroyed. It just transforms. I would like my energy to be useful when it's being no longer used to keep me alive. So that's Love what I that. hope for. Yeah. Um, take all my organs, if any of them are any good. Yeah. And, or depending on how I go. If they're, <laughs> <sure. Yeah. laughs> and, then, and then, you know, whatever's left of me, poke around at it and see if there's anything to be learned. Yeah. And then after that, if it's the dumpster, it's the dumpster. <laughs> <laughs> They'll burn your body
1: or something. something. Add it to like a, yeah. a fire pit. But no, that's not how it works at all. <laughs> Don't listen. (laughs) That's why you're supposed
0: to research before the
1: fuck I know kind of how cremation works. It's got to be like super high. You just can't do it yourself.
2: Yeah, don't Um, do it. I don't recommend doing it
1: yourself. No, no, please.
0: No. (laughs) Everybody who does usually gets caught. Yeah. Yeah. Because they're not meant to be. (laughs) Because
2: that's, yeah, that is not uh, on the up and up.
1: Not ideal. (laughs) But like even that conversation that we had whenever we did, I part of me thinks that we are both comfortable with that because we don't have any reservations about the afterlife. Mm, Um, I'm pretty firm and comfortable in what my belief is. Mm -hmm. Um, And I I don't want to speak for you, Bronwyn, but I feel like you are as well. Yeah, I basically my spirituality is energy. And so, Mm. yeah. And I I sometimes wonder, like when when we've been told, or you know, people that have been told in particular, like uh, your afterlife is uh, either uh, you know heaven or
0: hell, for example. It's a point system. How many points (sighs) do you get on the good side? How many points do you have on the bad side? Mm -hmm. And that determines how you.
1: That I feel like that impacts how you how you talk about death, how you handle grief, yeah, how you respond to it. And I mean, I guess for three people that don't necessarily, I can't speak to that experience per se, but that's a powerful part of what's influenced even our culture.
2: Oh, yeah, absolutely. And that's,
1: I just wish we could be a little bit more candid about all of it.
2: Me too. Me too. (laughs) It's something that we should be talking about, right? Mm -hmm. And, And to have such strong beliefs in whatever system you're a part of or your beliefs are. But not talk about it, we're doing ourselves a disservice. It's wild. Right? Let's share <laughs> these beliefs and ideas that we are so strongly rooted in. Mm-hmm. Right. And and, you know, maybe we can help somebody else who's on the fence. You know, what do they yeah. want to do? Right. Because sometimes we haven't made a decision. We pass. Now it's up to our family members. You guys touched on the guilt around grief. Right. And so there can be lots of guilt tied into, well, I don't know if they wanted to be buried or cremated. I'm making this decision. But what if they wanted something else? that can be a lot of weight on top of
1: that grief Holy that, heck, that you're yeah. dealing
2: with. Right? I feel so
1: guilty, but then like, yeah, depending on how I believe their spirit, you know, uh, necessarily resolves itself. I don't want to live with the with the idea knowing that I, I cremated somebody who never wanted to be cremated or right. they hate fire. You know, things. <laughs> yeah.
2: like, I, I'm Maybe sure it's... Yeah. Phobia. That's yeah, so
1: valid. Um, yeah. And I, yeah, I would not want to have to live with that weight because I would put that burden again upon myself.
2: Right. And, and just by ugh. simply having <laughs> these conversations, yeah. we can relieve that guilt from somebody else's shoulders, yeah. right? Help them grieve the way that they need to without all of this other stuff bogging them down around guilt, right? I talk sometimes about meta-feelings, so our feelings about our feelings, right? Yes. If we're feeling guilty for having made made that decision and then we start going, oh, you know, I'm and now I'm beating myself up because I'm feeling bad about that. It's like, yeah. give yourself a break. You're just a trying to cycle. grieve. It's such a vicious cycle. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely.
1: Do you have any talking points for folks... Um, that maybe want to talk to their friends, their family, their siblings about the after process. Like, how do I just, you know, approach my brother and be like, hey, how do you want to be handled when you die?
2: Like that, Just like that. That was great, <laughs> B. I
1: love it. Thank you. <laughs> um,
2: you know, my family probably thinks I've gotten a little morbid since starting this job, but I'll sit down at the dinner table with them <laughs> and I'll go, So mom, what's your plans? Like, what do you want me to do when it's your time, (laughs) right? And um, I think they sort of expect that sort of thing from me at this point. But yeah, maybe for somebody who's not a bereavement program manager, you know, if if you're listening to this podcast and you think, yeah. Courtney, get to it. How am I supposed to approach this topic? I think just saying, you know, I I heard this great podcast today. They were talking about death and dying and normalizing conversation around grief. Mm -hmm. So, you know, let's start talking about it. What does that look like for you? What do you want your ceremony to look like? Right. And not everybody has a funeral. Not everybody
1: goes the same route. I didn't even think about a ceremony. I forgot yeah. about that entirely. Yeah, that's a yeah, that's a that's valid some, question. And
2: this is something that is sort of getting pushed off by the sidelines is to not even have ceremony, which is a shame because ceremony is what sort of signals to our loved ones that we're ready to receive that support. Oh, okay. right, yeah. And so that's really when your grief begins, right mm-hmm. You're going initially, you've lost your person. typically, there's so many documents that you have to go through that you know the paperwork of death mm-hmm. is overwhelming, and so by the time you get to that funeral, I mean it's likely a blur. you're not even remembering who came, gave you their condolences, mm-hmm. but you know now that that support is tr- starting to sort of fall off, and so that's signaling to your loved ones okay you know i've i've done the ceremony now i'm i'm grieving right and i need your support and we know that as humans it's hard to reach out for support then you add that grief on top Mm -hmm. right it's almost impossible
1: yeah that's wonderful though i'm I'm, i just that's a a train of thought that i've never considered but it's really really important
2: Even offering, so um, I don't remember where I picked this up, but when we say, for example, is there anything I can do? Right? A very well intentioned mm-hmm. sentence. Like asking,
1: How are you?
2: Yes. They're just learning exactly. simple phrases, but very loaded. Right, right. If you change one word in that question and you say, is there something I can do that's going to help you get through this day? Right? Is there something, rather than is there anything, anything feels so broad, whereas something is, you know, and maybe it's, oh God, you know what, I don't know how to start the lawnmower. Can you help me with that? Mm -hmm. Right? Or can you find a neighborhood kid who can help me with that? (laughs) All those little things that, you know, when people are just asking it, yeah, it's exactly that. Hi, how are you? This is just that frivolous language, right? That we, we, the niceties that we toss around, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't carry weight, Right? Yes. So something that I explained to our guests, and this is a piece. So a lot of our programs and services are based around the teachings of Dr. Alan Wolfelt, And something that he talks about is the rule of thirds. And he's referring to how people show up in our lives after we've experienced a loss. So the first category of people are individuals who they're holding that space for you. They're bringing the casseroles by. They're checking in. You know, just they're there and they're concerned and and they want you to have comfort and be supported. Right. Maybe they've gone through a loss themselves and so they know that firsthand or maybe they just know you really well. The second category of people are those folks, you know, let me know if there's anything I can do. Super well intentioned. That's so great. Thank you. You might be waiting on the sidelines for me to reach out but I'm just not going to because I don't even know what I need right now, right? So I don't know how to tell you how to support me. And then the third category of people are the ones who maybe aren't showing up at all, or if they do, they're giving you some advice that's maybe more hurtful than helpful, right? If you've lost a partner and they're saying, well, you're young, you get back, we'll get you back out there dating. And it's like, this is the last thing that I yeah. need to be hearing right now. Right. Yeah. And you know, this could be that they've not experienced loss or they're just uncomfortable with your grief. And so yeah, they're trying to get is you making them awkward. Exactly. They're trying to get you through your grief faster for their own comfort sake. Yeah. Right. And so, you know, when I tell people that I can almost see them like mentally going, Oh, that's that sounds right right okay so my cousin's over here and this is and sometimes it's interesting at who's showing up in what category sometimes it's that your best friend is not quite there like you expected them to be and maybe your neighbor that you only really ever talked about the weather with is the one bringing the kleenex going Mm -hmm. i've been through this how are you doing
0: It's really interesting to see how people's love languages come out around mm-hmm. when they're trying to comfort someone or, uh, you know, beef there for someone in times of grief, because yeah. y- y- that's like the people who love to cook, they cook. The people who love to right. distract will distract the people that have been through it before and love to give advice and. We'll do that, and, mm-hmm. and they seem like they're in that first group of people there that you were talking about. But yeah, yeah you really see people's love languages come to life when they it's just cool well, to yeah, recognize,
1: yeah. Because I'm gonna, re- I mean, I it's been a little bit, but if I'm ever in that position, I, I will reevaluate, like, yeah. Who will be in category one that I realize I should probably trust you more because, oh, my God, thank you so much. Yeah. And Bring then, those
2: category one in a little bit tighter. They deserve right?
1: it. Yeah. Because yeah. they're truly the ones that, like, are meaningful, that are going to take care of you. They're like, yeah. they will make sure that you're okay.
2: That's right. And it's not just that they deserve it. You deserve it. Yeah. Right? You deserve that support that they're willing to give. And that's a huge piece of grieving is being open to receiving the support. It's hard sometimes. Yes. <laughs> is it ever? Yeah. Yeah. That's no, no doubt.
0: (laughs) So we've talked about like the peer support, the groups. What Mm -hmm. other types of things uh, are available at Julian's house for, for your guests?
2: Yeah. So another thing that makes us unique is that we have volunteers who work with us that these are our grief companions so these are folks who have lost a loved one themselves they've been doing their grief work as we mentioned earlier it's never over of course but they're a little bit further down that road and are now in a place where they can help somebody who's experienced a more recent loss And so what we do is we would match one of our companions up with a guest who's experienced a recent loss and just somebody with that lived experience, Mm -hmm. right? So we do also try to have a companion at each of our group meetings as well. So it's not just those with recent loss, but somebody is there also to say, yeah, you know, I remember going through that or feeling that way. Um, and can sort of speak to their experience.
0: Is that a lot, a lot like a sponsor in AA? Very like, much, okay. yeah, very much. I of sense that model, yeah, that lived experience,
2: yeah, right? right, and
0: yeah, you have someone who is signing up to be your support, yeah, and who can be leaned on in times of need.
2: Yeah, absolutely, and and like I mentioned, these are volunteers, so these are not paid individuals these are people who are turning their pain into passion and they're able to give back and in doing so it's really helping their healing journey as well which can be really yeah you know heartwarming and moving to see that it's it's a full circle healing process and i would love to also mention that we are really looking for more volunteers to come out who are maybe ready to be a grief companion. So if you have lost a loved one and you've been thinking, how can I, right, turn this pain into passion? Or how can I give back? How can I honor this person? Volunteering is such a great way to do it. There are many volunteer opportunities with Julian's House. We're always doing fundraisers, different things um, to help raise awareness. But our volunteers are really and truly our backbone of yeah. this organization.
1: Um, How and, would folks reach out to if, you know, if that kind of appeals to them and they're in a position to do that? Yeah. Is like Facebook, is there a website form? Yeah,
2: so we do have, we are on social media. We're on Facebook and Instagram. Um, the best way would be to send an email to me, which is at care at ca let me know that you're interested in volunteering with us and we'll sort of take it from there. It's, as I mentioned, it's, it's a really great opportunity to continue that healing process.
0: That's amazing. There are so many people that are, um, that have experienced grief and they're natural caregivers. They, Mm -hmm. they're just good. They're at it. They're built for it. They may not have chosen it as a career, but they have, you know um an adjacent career yeah and they were always looking for opportunities to be you know helpful to others this would be a wonderful place for them so listeners if you know someone or you are that person definitely uh, reach out to Courtney and get yourself involved with Julian's house
2: please I'd love to connect
0: yeah so now we we there's talk therapy you know as in the groups and and you have your companions but sometimes people need things that they can that are actionable, things that they can do, mm-hmm. things that are tangible, things they can measure. Um, so, do you offer anything at Julian's house that's down in that sort of uh, avenue of of care? If yeah, that makes sense? yeah,
2: you hit the nail on the head. So, as you mentioned, talking through grief is great. Sometimes doing through grief, right? We know that sometimes words just aren't cutting it. So, we also offer what we call our restorative activities. So, this could look like anything from a gentle movement class. We know that emotions can get stuck in the body. And so, moving in different, you know, gentle, compassionate ways for yourself to help release those emotions. It could look like a artistic journaling class we have done a couple workshops
1: with those okay. and I was having a hard time trying to imagine mm. I'm like what what do you mean Bronwyn like what do I imagine with this but no art yes yeah yes. Uh, you can manipulate something stretching. You can, whether it's your own body whether it's
2: art whether it's huh
1: right yeah so it's really interesting okay
2: yeah so we're looking at all different types of ways to, you know, get through that grief. Maybe it's, maybe it's not, specifically grief related but you're learning something new and that's helping you get through right so okay um you know here's another call to action if you are somebody in the community who has a unique service or something that you would like to offer our guest am you know maybe free we are a charity or at a discounted rate let's talk because this is such a great way for our guests work through their grief to get your business known and the word out there a little bit more Mm -hmm. right as i mentioned earlier we are learning day after day what an amazing community we are part of and it's just been so special to see the collaborations that we're able to make within it
0: Maybe we could uh, sign up Ivy as a volunteer to be a pet therapist. Yes. Oh my God, I wish is if you can hear her (laughs) snoring and sighing next to me here, (laughs) the whole time. Ivy is a very good snuggler, so maybe there's an opportunity there. I can see it. I can see it (laughs) written in the stars. (laughs) Um, Okay, so I guess I I just have a few more
1: questions about like access. Um, So if this is something that you are all volunteering, how if I'm in this position of experienced grief, I I just don't know what to do. It's impacting my job. It's impacting my health. Mm-hmm. How would I have connected with you and in, in, in everything that you offer?
2: Yeah, so there's a couple of ways that people can reach out to us. Typically, it's either by email or phone. Uh, some people do reach out through social media. Now, if you're going to reach out by email, I mentioned that earlier, is care at julianshouse.ca, or you can call 519 945 two two seven three in brackets in your uh, write-up you can put care two two seven three spells care okay awesome yeah and, uh, and so what would happen is you would connect with me and we would set up an intake call. And that typically takes anywhere from 20 to 60 minutes. Sort of depends on how, how deep we get into things, mm-hmm. how much you're comfortable sharing, that sort of thing. And then through that intake process, that's where we're sort of sussing out if Julian's house is the right fit for you. And likewise, if you're a good fit for Julian's house, mm-hmm. right? We want to make sure that anyone who's coming Anywhere, really, for support is getting the correct type of support. So what I like to say in terms of where Julian's house falls on that support chain, grief is non-tangible, right? So I'm using metaphors all day long. So if grief was a broken leg, right, you just lost that person, And that looks like a broken leg. You're going to take that broken leg to the ER, Mm -hmm. right? That's going to be your crisis centers. That's going to be your one-on-one counselors stabilizing you, right? Getting you back to just, you know, functioning again, right? So getting your sleeping, eating, breathing, which sounds like pretty basic things. But (laughs) when you're grieving, you're doing Mm. that shallow breathing, not the deep mindful breathing, right? You're you're probably Mm -hmm. not eating right. You're probably not sleeping right. And so coming out to a group is probably not where you're at, right? And <laughs> yeah, so, sounds
1: intimidating. Right? Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, for sure. And so what I, what I compare Julian's house is to is that physiotherapist. So we are sort of an aftercare. We are rehabilitation getting
0: your balance back
2: you got it yeah you got it i love that yeah restorative
0: yes yeah that's so important and that kind of that kind of separates you guys from other mental health like professionals and more clinical sense right Mm -hmm. like could because you might need more clinical services if you're in that crisis mode or anything like that like that's right like you said like you're not going to be very useful to a group if you are having you know, thoughts of harming yourself or having things like, you know, you have to deal yeah. with those. You got to put, get stop the bleeding first and then you, you can it. start getting that rehab. Yes. That's, yeah. really, that's really, that's a good distinction to make. That yeah
2: I, I, yeah, I try to stick with that one. It's something that sort of clicks for people yeah. that they understand.
0: Oh, the one thing, so we're having a very human conversation. We're having, sure. um... talk about something that's very universal to all human beings Mm -hmm. so back to you Courtney as the human how does how do you maintain the work-life balance how do you not bring all the baggage from work into your home life how what's what's some of the things you do to to keep that balance in your life
2: yeah that has been an interesting journey for me especially working from home right and my home when I step out of my office door and my home, that last phone call that I hang up, right? When do I start thinking about, oh, I got to put the laundry in versus I have to make this next work phone call. Mm-hmm. Um, so that in itself is tricky. I think there's so many folks out there right now because of COVID, working remotely, a lot of mm-hmm. people are dealing mm-hmm. with that. Um, but yeah, just really making sure that I up my self-care. So I've always been, you know, a very active in yoga so getting my I'm I'm a movement person Mm -hmm. I would never say that I'm an athlete (laughs) please don't get me wrong in that sense but I really believe in mindful movement Mm -hmm. um I'm a bubble bath person right so knowing what outlets work for you yeah um and as you mentioned grief is universal but we know that it's also unique to yes. everybody's experience and so recognizing you know whether it's that you're getting yourself through a hard time or you know like myself just learning how to up the self-care mm-hmm. for whatever reason recognizing what works for that person might not work for me mm-hmm. and so really listening to myself and sort of following my intuition that okay, yeah, I am able to sort of calm myself because I'm doing X, Y, Z, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, for me, that looked like joining a gym, right? I'm also seeing a counselor because mm-hmm. people are coming to me with all of their traumas, the right? heaviest things they're going through. Literally yeah. the heaviest thing that's happened to them yeah. in their life. They're coming, they're sharing that with me, and I'm absolutely honored to be holding that space for them but then I need to check in with myself, yes. right? What do I do with that? So I signed myself up for my own counseling because I think that's huge. I think oh, that for you. That's awesome. everyone and any anybody could benefit from counseling, mm-hmm. uh, no matter where you're at. It's something that I've always been an advocate for, whether it was in this job or before this job. You know, if you're feeling a little bit out of sorts, I'd, I'd say, okay, I'm going in for a tune-up, right? We yes. go to our doctors yes. when yep. we're,
1: you know, we... You feel a little off, yeah. Physically, you yeah. know. We go but to our what, regular. But your emotions aren't feeling quite right, right? We
2: go to our re- regular doctors for you know the general practitioners. We go to the dentist for that maintenance. We go to the
0: mechanics for we maintenance. We go to maintenance
2: for maintenance, right? Yeah. We, we, so we need to we need to also start doing the mental piece as yes. well. Yeah. yeah,
1: I love yeah. that. I was going to ask that question, but you answered it. So that's so that's so important, and I'm really yeah. really happy to hear that you are doing you know what you can for your self-care and like it's not a finite list it's whatever feels right for you
2: that's right yeah and it it will ebb and flow and just Mm -hmm. checking in with myself okay self where am i today
1: right
2: (laughs) what can i take on today
0: yeah and uh myself and my day job i work with at risk youth and they will also share a lot of things with you throughout Mm the day and uh in this as a teacher i like to use metaphors a lot as well and analogies and i picture it as as baggage like your your medical bag the doctor you know those old timey apothecary bags like <laughs> you pick it up and you bring it to work That's and right. you use it while it's there but then you have to put it down and you mm. have to take you have to take that hat off you have to leave the baggage at work and then pick up your life and mm-hmm. do Like it has to be a pick that pick up and put down type thing or else you're bringing it everywhere you go. And then that candle burns even faster at both ends. So it's, I, I learned that early in my career, luckily. Um, but it was tough at first to realize, okay, I have to put this down. I can't bring it everywhere I go because Mm -hmm. I'm just going to get more baggage, and the weight's going to get heavier and heavier until yep. I can't carry it anymore. So that's just it. you have to learn to put stuff down when you walk through that door. But the yeah. boundaries then get blurred when it's when it's your house is also where your work baggage is. So mm-hmm. I can I can yeah, which uh, bag only bag imagine. Is which, yeah, right. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Like when where's the where's the boundary? Where are the lines? No, that's yeah.
1: something that I've had to work on. I work from home as well, and I, I my office has to be the only place I do work, mm. and it's hard because sometimes I'll start doing work in my lap laptop in the living room. And then yeah. Brandon's like, "Well, are we hanging out right now? Are you answering really important emails? Like what's going on? And it's I got to make sure my work stays where it needs to be and only in that office is what makes sense." Yeah. Mm.
2: Yeah. Boundaries are so important. Boundaries, though, right? yes. Yeah.
0: But we you know, we really appreciate as a community that people like you are smart enough to realize that self-care is truly important and that that balance has to be a priority in your life because mm what you're doing with Julian's house is so important. And if you didn't exist, I don't know what we do. And I hope that all our listeners take advantage, spread the word, um, seek out the help from, from, uh, Julian's house. And I hope that, um, you guys are around for a uh, a long time. I, I wish you the best too. with your renovations. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I yeah. can't wait to possibly come visit and Please see do. Yeah. if there. Grief. I have lost a lot of people in my life. I've lost a lot of family. Um, I've lost friends. I've lost mentors. Um, so, so volunteering would probably be something that I might, to be honest with you, actually talk to you about in the future. That'd be amazing because. Um, Immediately when I found out what you did, and I didn't even truly understand at first when I first saw your first social media post about Julian's house. I'm still learning.
2: so Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: but the topic of grief immediately struck a chord with me, mm-hmm. and um, as someone who's done a lot of work on myself and, and tried my best to keep that balance and keep that uh, process always ongoing and making sure that I'm always checking in. I would love to, if, if my experience can help anyone else, that would be something that I really would truly love if I can fit it into my schedule somewhere mm. or even just like, just e- even participating in a zoom call or anything at sure. all or, or, Just showing up in some way, I would love to. So thank you for bringing this to our community. Absolutely. Really, truly. And I really
2: can't take credit for it at all. I, you know, I am part of this beautiful thing that was brought to fruition by the Gaudettes and our two bereavement specialists. They sort of, you know, got this ball rolling. And
1: um, I mean, you're making sure that it's going to continue rolling, though, and that is still important. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Take some
0: credit, patches self-class. Oh, on yeah. That's yeah. yes. That's true. Yes.
2: <laughs> I wanted to also include, like, when we're talking about my own self care, I want to say something about like practicing what I preach, right? Here I am, supporting these folks, telling them the different ways that they can self care, right? So recognizing it's important for us. To be practicing what we preach, right? So that. And then the other thing is we're a charity. So I would love to be able to plug that piece
0: of it as well. And say hi to Laura for me. I will. Yes, you guys know each
2: other. Yeah,
0: we found out through just like an innocuous conversation we were having about this interview that um, her colleague Laura and I both volunteered for the Canadian Cancer Society at the same time. And my mother and I were heavily involved in the Relay for Life and we got to work side by side with Laura on on those events out in Kingsville and in the county and, and in various other locations. Like when I was just coming out of, like, high school and in my... Uh, oh, wow. Okay. In the early 2000s, so it's been a very long time since I've seen her, so yeah. say hello for me.
2: I will, absolutely. And she says hello back, too. When I, she knew exactly who you were. She's like, oh, Ronwyn yeah, when I worked for the Canadian Cancer, she was that. like, she knew immediately, and she Aww. knew that you came with your mom and... Because she brought her daughter, too. Yeah. So yeah. she was sort of like, yeah, we were like the mom and daughter team at the
0: time, right? just so <laughs> so cute. cute. Again, it's such a small city, and that's why we have Are having this small talk with people because um, we are so interconnected yet there's still major gaps when we don't know what these really special people are doing these special things. So we want to have these conversations and make sure that people are connecting even further. Mm -hmm. Heck yes. Mm -hmm. And before we wrap
1: up, uh, Courtney, can you shout out either um, a fundraiser that you think would be wonderful to look in for folks to look into? Um, I sure
2: can. Yeah. Yeah. So if you are into golf, we actually have a few golf (laughs) tournaments coming up. Um, I'm the first to. I already said earlier that I am not an athletic person I did play in our golf tournament last year it was a hoot it's best ball I don't know I didn't know what that meant until. No, no idea so you're on a team the person hits the ball you all hit the ball but the person who gets it closest to the hole you just play from that one so if you yeah. have one good golfer <laughs> you the on your team you best ball out of all of them yeah. Yeah. that's amazing <laughs> if you have one good golfer on your team you're good. that's all you need
1: Yeah. oh that's excellent that yeah, suddenly so, made me interested in golf again and driving a car yeah. is fun
2: yes. it just is. <laughs> if you like to drive golf carts come on out if you're gonna have a good time so um that first one that we have is a ladies only golf tournament and that's on june 24th at wildwood golf and rv resort then we have our second annual golf tournament on august 25th which is taking place at rochester place and then finally, we have a third-party fundraiser golf tournament that's being put on by a couple of our guests of Julian's House oh, cool. who lost their son. Aww. They are, you know, such advocates for mental health, and they've been doing such amazing that's work so with Julian's great. House that they've decided to, to do this fundraiser. Awesome. And that's taking place July 27th at Seven Lakes. So if golf calls to you, give us a call because... because... Because we've got uh, some fun things coming up. Awesome. We also, Friday, we had a fundraising dinner at the Walkerville Eatery. Earlier in the year, there was a pasta dinner fundraiser. So we're always looking for different ways to put the fun in fundraising, essentially. So, yeah. yeah. (laughs) That's so
1: perfect.
0: Well... That was another amazing episode with an amazing Windsorite who's doing awesome things for our city. Courtney, thank you so much for joining us. Um, Listeners, I know you are already because you're listening, but if you're not following us on social media, do it. Get onto Instagram. Find us at Windsor Small Talk. Um, You can find B on Twitter at be zelda underscore you got it Did i do it yeah you did. thank you that was stuff. awesome <laughs> and you can also find us on facebook at windsor small talk as well make sure you like subscribe smash those buttons give us all your love um we do have a patreon if you want to donate money to us that is not 100 percent necessary but if you want to get some extra content of b and i being extra silly with each other um and doing fun stuff online you can uh you know Throw a few shekels our way, and we'll get you some bonus content. I'll also accept cupcakes. <laughs> well, oh, nice. really, you really, you're gonna get cupcakes with like poisons and razor blades now, you know, from all the weirdos it's on the not internet. Gonna stop
1: me! <laughs> <laughs> I just want the treats. Just bring it but are they surrounded by chocolate? Right. I can pick around. I can, you know, take out the bad stuff. Yeah. Uh, I think that's the perfect ending. Yeah
0: we're making small talk with cool people welcome to our show it's small talk
1: Hey y'all, Zelda here, because I know you have not heard enough of my voice, but I'm just popping in to remind you all that we have a Patreon page. It is something that is building and budding like the flowers in springtime. Currently, you can get exclusive snippets and previews to episodes before they come out, as well as Bronwyn and I will be trying and playing a handful of two-player and co op tabletop games and i'm a huge fan of indie games because why not get creative with the way that we tell stories and gamify it so everybody else can have as much fun make sure you follow us on patreon we are windsor small talk take care